so good to see you. It's fun to be up here to teach to all the adults. I'm used to teaching to kids and students and not adults. You sometimes are a little bit scary, but I love you guys. <laughs> um, so it's so fun to be up here um, and get to teach to you guys this morning. Um, for those of you, one, that don't know me, I'm Meredith Bennett. I'm our next generation pastor here. I'm so excited to get to um, see all of your beautiful faces this morning. And second, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series called the APEST series. And that stands for Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher. And they are the five spiritual gifts that's talked about in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Um, and that just says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And that is what this whole series is about. Last week, Douglas talked to us about the apostle. And this week, I get the privilege to teach you guys about the prophet. I don't know how I got ended up with this one. When Douglas told me that, I was like, uh-huh, okay, all right, this will, this will be a fun adventure. But it really has been so cool. Um, I was a little petrified and overwhelmed when I first started putting this teaching together. And I was like, the word prophet is mentioned like hundreds of times in the Bible. Like, how am I supposed to sift through all of this um, when some of these other ones, it's like mentioned twice in the Bible. They're like, I have two verses that say of this. I'm like, of course, I have like 200 and something verses <laughs> that talk about the prophet. And the Bible is full of prophets. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know, in the Old and the New Testament, it's just all about um, the prophets that God has given us. Um, last week, Douglas also talked about a mirror analogy. So I, because I work with kids, come with an actual propped mirror. I'm like, we got to show these people how beautiful they look this morning. Do you see yourself in here? Do you see yourself in the mirror? Maybe it's a small mirror. I see a, I see a little. Oh, tilted. Was I blinding some of you guys? Are you blinded by the light? That's good. All right. Good, good. Um, so we use this analogy of a mirror because as we talk through these gifts, we want you to see yourself in this mirror, to see as we talk through the prophet this morning, we're going to talk through um, the definition of what and even who is a prophet. And as we talk through that, we want to see if you find yourself in this mirror if things begin to stir in you and resonate in you of like, whew, that, that might be me. This might be something that God has placed and called me to and given me this gifting for. And we get it from 2 Corinthians 3.18 that just says, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So are you seeing yourself as a prophet this morning? That's what I'm gonna ask just before we dive into things of, is the Lord showing you that, revealing you that, transforming you into that as we speak and teach through this series? Um, and maybe it's not a prophet. Not everyone is called to be that. And maybe it's another gifting. Maybe it was apostle last week. Maybe it's gonna be, maybe you have to wait till the very last one, which is teacher. Um, but yeah, so we're going to dive into who is a prophet, who does God call to be prophets, 
Um, and the definition that we have this morning for you guys, it'll be here on the screen, is one who is called away to speak forth on behalf of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with a special message that is clear and tested and builds the church. There's a lot in there. We're gonna unpack all of that. We're gonna go phrase by phrase and I'm gonna break it down for you guys and we're gonna talk through um, each part of this definition and exactly what that means. We wanted to make it really clear and simple um, for you guys this morning. This is just like an overarching, we're not gonna get too deep and too crazy this morning, but just kind of enough to give you to get a sense of, is this what God is stirring in me? Is this a passion that God has given me um, as a gift? So first things first, we're gonna start with the beginning. A prophet is one who is called away. Can you guys say called away? Called away. All right, very good, very good. Um, and we get this from Matthew 13, um, 57. It says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and, his, and in his own household. Um, so that's fun to start out with, you know. Prophets being called away, looked down upon in their own hometown. No one likes them. Um, no one wants them. They might think they're a little weird and like, who is this guy? Um, but throughout the Bible, we see almost every prophet is called away at some point. John the Baptist, it says before he came into his ministry teaching that it was a voice from the wilderness. He had been out in the wilderness. He was like covered in what, camel's hair and locusts and honey and like weird things and people were like, where is this guy coming from? Elijah resided in the desert until God called him. Moses lived in the desert for 40 years. It's a long time to be in the desert by yourself. I'm just gonna state that. Um, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 17, I did not sit in the assembly of mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of her hand, for you have filled me with indignation. So all these prophets at some point or another were called away. Jesus himself, who is a prophet in the Bible, for the first 30 years, we don't know much about Jesus. We know about his birth. We know about maybe 12 years old, we think, that his parents lost him because he was in the temple teaching and they got super nervous because they're just like, where's our 12-year-old? He's gone missing. But he was already out there teaching to religious leaders. And those first 30 years, that's pretty much all we know about Jesus. So we can see that God even called him away and was preparing him for what we think was maybe around age 30 that he started teaching the kingdom of God and the way to heaven and what that was, which is a heavy message and was such an important message that God gave him and placed on his heart. And that was the sole purpose that Jesus came, was to teach and deliver that message, which is part of a prophet. And we're going to get into that a little more of God gives them words, messages to deliver at a specific time, specific place. Jesus was called at that specific time to come and preach and teach the kingdom of God. And so, P. 
you might be a prophet or have this gifting. Maybe you experience a time of loneliness or where you have felt alone or God says, all right, you're going to go to this place for three weeks completely by yourself. And you're like, what? Aren't we supposed to live in community as Christians? Like, why are you calling me away? But God does something in that solitude for prophets where he speaks to them and he gives them uh, what they need to hear, which we're going to dig into a little bit more as we keep going. Um, But I'm going to keep moving on. So the second part of the definition is speaks forth. You say speaks forth. So a prophet speaks forth. Um, The word prophet quite literally means to speak forth. They can be known sometimes as the mouthpiece of God. Sometimes people may think of prophets as like someone who's maybe predicting the future or telling of something, but really it's a message that God has put on that they can't help but speak forth. It is so, it's like an utterance. Um, I read in a book that it's described as like an utterance given on behalf of God where they just have to share or write or sing, whatever it looks like, that message that they need to speak forth and share um, to others. And it's a message that is so within them. This is so a part of who they are. Like with Jesus in the message that he spoke, it was his all-encompassing. All the prophets that we see, it was something that was so burning inside of them that if they didn't speak it forth, then who knows what was going to happen. It was not going to be good, but they had to get it out. Um, So moving right along, we have the next section that says, on behalf of God. And in 1 Kings 17, 1, we see about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah goes to the king, Ahab, at the time. And this is what Elijah tells him. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So Elijah goes to the king and is like, hey, this is going to happen. And it's not him, you know, saying, I predict this is coming. He knows the important words in that verse that the Lord God of Israel who lives before whom I stand, he knows that he is delivering that message on behalf of God. And therefore, he has authority that he speaks to the king and says, this is what's going to happen. God has given me this message to deliver to you at this time, to speak and share that this is coming. I read, there's a quote that says, prophets stand before God attentively and waiting to hear and deliver God's message. A prophet receives the message in the presence of God and delivers it with complete authority. It is not their message, but God's. So they know they're standing on behalf of God, that authority God gives them to speak the message, I feel like that would take some boldness to go to a king and be like, huh, so there's going to be a drought coming in your land. It's going to happen. Just wait and see. Um, but when you stand before God and deliver a message like that, there's accountability that's at stake. Like if you're delivering a message on behalf of God, like you better be careful what you say and make sure it's really of God because there's huge accountability. In Deuteronomy um, 18, This is when um, God brings Aaron to Moses, actually. 
um, it says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak on who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, well, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord on behalf of God, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word the Lord has not spoken. The prophet spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So we know that if it, if it comes to pass and we know it's of God, but that's some high stakes there, like you're going to die if that's not of God's word. Let's just not skip past that. Like you shall die is what that said. So some high accountability there and some stakes. It's also foundational. We know that God is the foundation of everything. And apostles, it also says, are foundational as well. And similar to that, the words, though, that the prophets speak last. They are words that will last forever because they're of God, and God lasts forever. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20 it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So they're so foundational to what we need, what the church needs, um, to hear these words come to pass and last. Um, so yeah, moving right along, we're going to get into the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the next part of our definition. Um, so a prophet's words are an, ultimately an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Peter uh, 1, 20 through 21, this is where we get it from, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever to, produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So inspiration from the Holy Spirit is something that God gives that moves men to speak or write and is profitable. And it doesn't move them in a way like a puppet on a string, you know, or something like that, or like a robot. It's, it so moves them in a way that, again, kind of like the speaks forth, they just have to share it. And it says it's profitable. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness. So what does it mean for, for it to move us in such a way that we have to speak? Well... I'm going to give y'all a quote by Bob Dylan. <laughs> and never would I thought that I would be quoting Bob Dylan at all in my life. I was not a huge Bob Dylan fan. I never really got into him. But Bob Dylan, in his amazing writing of music that he has written, he said, I don't sit around and do with the newspaper, like a lot of people do, spread newspapers all around and just pick something to write a song about. It's usually right there in my head before I start. That's the way I write. You know, it might be a bad approach, they say. I don't even consider writing songs. 
when I've written it, I don't even consider that I wrote it when I got done. The song was there before me. Before I came along, I just sorta came down and just sorta took it with a pencil, but it was always there in me when I came around to write it. So like Bob Dylan quotes here, the songs were within him. Like his songs have lasted. Like we still know a lot of his songs and some of you guys might be Bob Dylan fans. And similar to that with the prophet, the message is always in them. It is inside, they just may not know it yet. And they need that inspiration to pull it out of them to say, this, these are the words. Whether it's writing or speaking, a blog, a song, doesn't necessarily always have to be speaking from a stage like I am or something like that. It can be words of any kind um, that will last all of time. And I think sometimes that inspiration happens in that solitude, in that place of being called away, where you gotta get away, shut off all the noise, and this may not always be the case, but from what we've seen in the Bible and some people that I know of, they know that those words that God has given them has come from a place of solitude and getting away for a while and just being silent with God. And that's where God gives them the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that whisper of God that we talk about here. It's one of our values of hearing the whisper of God, which comes from 1 Kings 19, where Elijah he keeps not hearing from God, and then God was in the whisper. He wasn't all in the big things, the loud things. He was in the silent whisper. And sometimes to hear that whisper, we, we got to get away because the world is noisy. Um, but also with prophets, sometimes maybe it just comes to you. Maybe you're playing a game or, I don't know, in the shower, like somewhere completely random which I guess the shower can sometimes be a place of solitude. <laughs> You're in there by yourself, you and God. Sometimes my biggest God moments are truly in the shower. Um, but it doesn't mean you gotta get away and go to the beach for three weeks or whatever it may be. But it can still come to you in those everyday moments. So if this rings true to you, some people that I know that are prophets and resonate with this, say to have things on hand, have a place where you can write it out, either physically, record it in your phone, something where if you feel like you're hearing this and you're like, okay, yeah, I think these things kind of happen to me, I resonate, you're seeing yourself in that mirror a little bit, maybe you start to see your face appear um, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, at your bedside table, you have places where you can write those words that God has given you before you forget them, because we know that we're all forgetful. And, you know, you may wake up in the middle of the night and have something, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll write it down. No, 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 write it down then and there, because in the morning you'll probably forget. Um, so that's just kind of a practical thing I wanted to throw in there if you feel like this resonates with you. Um, so the next part, a special message. The words and the message that prophets speak, it's a special thing. It's just no ordinary words. Um, in Amos 3, 7, for the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. 
through secrets of God. That's pretty cool, right? Like, God's giving you one of his secrets, which I feel like is special. I don't know. God's a pretty big guy. So if he's giving you some of his secrets, that's a special message to deliver. Secrets can also translate to counsel. So it can be one who understands the inner counsel of the Lord, which is special and like super sweet thing and they like a prophet will know the motives and the purposes of God because of their intimate relationship they know that it's a special message a secret of God they know the weight of the words that God wants them to deliver because of their deep deep intimate relationship with God that is probably hard to put to words because it's so it's that inner counsel of the Lord. Moving right along. We're going to go on to clear. It is a clear message. God, our God is not a God of chaos, and we know that, or of confusion. He speaks, he's clear when he speaks to his prophets. Jonah 3, 4 says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's specific. It's clear. God gives a message to someone, Jonah, about a place, Nineveh, and this is what's going to happen. In forty days, which is pretty exact, this city is going to be overthrown. It's so clear and it's so precise for that time, for that place, for that culture, it made sense. With John the Baptist, in Mark 1, 6 through 8, here it talks about him being clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not even worthy to stoop down and loosen, I indeed baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John, he, he was known for preaching the gospel, to turn to God, turn from your sins, repent. But there was a specificness about his message. He was speaking about someone who was going to come immediately after him, and this is what he's going to do. So I think this is the difference we see. We haven't gotten to teachers or evangelists yet. But teachers and evangelists, they share the gospel. So with these people, it's more specific than just generally sharing the gospel or teaching the gospel. It's a specific person, place, time, and it makes sense to that culture in that time period. All these things made sense, were culturally made sense to them, and they were like, yes, this is going to happen. So that makes it clear and understandable to the people that are receiving the message. They're like, okay, yes, it's not like, huh, wait, what, how does this apply to us? Like, hold on, what? No, like the people, when they hear it, they get it because of how clear the message is. Next is their message needs to be tested. It says it's clear and tested, meaning we got to make sure what these people are saying is not a pile of crap. <laughs> 
are a pile of junk that they're saying. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good. So we gotta check, we gotta keep these people again accountable and make sure that it's really of God, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it's a special message that God has given them. First Corinthians 14, 29 says, let two or three prophets speak, let the others weigh what is said. We gotta have other people around to weigh in to say, all right, this is, this is a word of God. This is something that we need to hear for this time in this place, in our community at this time to test those things. In 1 John, it says, we gotta beware of false prophets. There are going to be people out there that are gonna claim to be prophets or have the gift of prophecy, but it's not true. And they're steering us the wrong way. He's like, be, I mean, all of 1 John is almost focused on being aware of that. And we have to really test and see, are these truly of God? and inspired by the Holy Spirit. All right, we're getting to our last point. Building up the church. Ultimately, the message that prophets have to deliver should encourage and build up the church. They're words for the, ch for the church to hear. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolidation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. The words are for building up the church. The words are for the church to hear. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, if we don't have love, with these words, encouraging them, then it means nothing. It says it's like a clinging noise, or a clinging cymbal, a noisy gong, that if there's not love behind these words, then it's, it's useless, it's nothing. And we know that we gotta build up each other in love. Love's gotta be the heartbeat behind the message that's being delivered, the motive, the mindset behind it all. God is a God of love, and if it's not from a place of love and building up the church, then 1 Corinthians 13 tells us it's nothing. It means nothing. It's useless. So we must make sure that love is the power behind this gift when we deliver these messages or speak these messages or sing or write out, whatever that looks like for you. So that's the breakdown of our definition. Um, we're going to move into some what we call strengths and weaknesses um, of what a prophet could be. Um, and we've, I've done it in a way where it's like strength versus weakness. So our first one you'll see up here is a prophet is fearless versus being annoying. 
We all know those people that are annoying in our lives, right? We know them. You, you got them in your head. Take them to the Lord. Yep. Um, fearless, as in boldness. They are bold. It takes boldness to deliver messages that God gives us. I mean, Jesus alone, like, he knew that he was going to be hated because of the message that he spoke. He had boldness. Elijah, like I said earlier, to go to the king and deliver a message at that time took some serious boldness. John the Baptist was baptizing people, but he's like, hey, get ready. It's not going to be me. There's someone greater who's going to come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. It takes so much boldness for a prophet to speak the words and the message that God has given to them. They're not annoying. They're not that person that's in your face like, yep, 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 you know, like trying to tell you something and you're like, want to plug your ears and you're like, just shut up. Like, no. When we receive it, we should hear it. it. It's not annoying. It's something that we know that we need to hear. The next one is a prophet is separated versus being a loner. So a prophet is called to be set apart. And we see that with all the prophets in the Bibles. In the Bible, not the Bible, not plural. (laughs) Um, They were all set apart. And that kind of goes hand in hand again with the called away, calling them to a place where God's speaking to them. But they're not choosing to do this on their own. They're not like, I'm alone or I'm going to sit over here and just like try to, you know, get these words on my own, my own inspiration. No, we've read from the verses that I've shared with you today that it is not of their own interpretation. It is of God's. And that comes from a place of being set apart, being called to that space where God gives them those words rather than just trying to ultimately do it on their own. I mean, no one really likes a loner, you know, they're like, oh, they just kind of like stay in. It's like, come on. No, like. We are called to community, but in that, they know that there's something special in that special message of being set apart. Um, The next one is prophets. They are passionate versus being angry. And we know that when God gives us gifts, it's a stirring of his passion inside of us. When you are passionate about something that God has given you, you feel that within. And maybe you feel that this morning as I've been talking through this definition where you're like, whoa, there is something stirring in me that gets me super excited and feels like this is something that God has given me. God stirs passion. He doesn't stir anger. And so if it's from an angry place that you feel like you have to share these words or deliver it, We know that is not of God, because anger is not of God. But passion is, especially when he gives us his gifts. They're a sweet place. Again, it's like that, the passion in them with the speaking forth, they can't help but speak forth that message. The message that is a part of them, or the words, or whatever it is that God has given them, it's almost like they can't be divorced from it. It is just like a part of who they are which stirs the passion and makes them a passionate person about what they're delivering and what they're sharing and writing and singing and any of that. And lastly, a prophet, they're a visionary versus vanity. I feel like probably if any of these or anything that you hear today, this is the most important one. And it, you know, I've been saying it throughout my message, 
how it's a message from God. But prophets could care less about what people think about the message when they deliver it. They don't, they're not concerned with how it sounds, with what's in the message. They are so concerned with delivering the pure message from God without adding or taking away from it. They're not concerned with it sounding politically correct. Or they're not concerned with if their feelings are going to get hurt. Or if it's going to be offensive. Or whatever it is. And they're like, maybe I need to word it this way instead of that way. Because this sounds prettier and is more aesthetic sounding or whatever. No. They're like, these are the words that God has given me. And I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to make it sound like this is my message that I have to deliver. Beware of that if you hear that, you know with the false prophet thing. No, they stand on behalf of God and know that it's God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 30 says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. You may desire to have this gift. You're like, I want that. That seems cool. That seems fun. But it doesn't mean you may have it. And also ask yourself, why are you desiring this? Why do you want it? Is it coming from a place of God? Or is it coming from a place of, I want people to hear me speak. I want to become famous with this book that I'm going to write. Is it for vanity? Is it for yourself? Because that's a heart check, because that's not of God. Why, why do you desire it? First Corinthians does tell us, for all can prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. But are you willing to count the cost? Like if you really want this as a gift, I mean, God tells us he'll give us the desires of our heart. So if, you, if that's really from a place, are you willing to factor in what that definition says? Because there's some heavy stuff in there. Maybe to be called away maybe to have a season of loneliness, to be held accountable. We talked about death. If you're not speaking in the name of the Lord on behalf of God, like there's some heavy things that you're like, oh, okay. So are you ready to count the cost? Maybe you're like, yeah, like that is, that is who God has called me to be. I'm starting to see myself come clear in that mirror of this might be a gift that God has stirred inside of me. So what does this practically look like? What does this mean for the church as a whole if we have prophets among us? It's for the building up of the church. It's pretty important for the church, right? Um, in Zechariah, the band can start heading up now as I close with these verses from Zechariah. Zechariah 4, 1 through 14, but I'm not going to read all 14 verses. I'm going to kind of break it up a little bit. But in Zechariah 4, it says, And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me, like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, and there's one on the right of the bowl, and there's one on the left. If you go down to verse 11, it then says, Then I said to him, But what are these two olive trees on the right and of the left of the lampstand? 
And the second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out of? He said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So we see throughout scripture that a light, a candle stand, or a candlestick, a lampstand, represents the light of the church, that we are to shine to our community and to those around us. And if you know anything about a lampstand, it needs oil to fuel it. It needs oil to keep it alive and to keep it shining its light. So we can see that those olive trees on either side of that lampstand that Zechariah talks about in these verses are the ones, the men and the women who stand on behalf of God. They're the prophets like the olive trees standing on either side of the candlestick, the candlestick, the lampstand being the church, those olive trees representing the prophets that will help fuel the light of the church. And out of those olive trees comes pure, fresh, clean oil that is piped into that lampstand. Thus, through the oil, fulfills the function of the lampstand, giving it clear light. The purpose of the church is to shine its light. We need you, prophets. We need the words that God has placed on your heart because that is fueling the light of the church. We need the continual fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to keep us moving, to keep us further going in what we're doing in the church and that God has called the church to do. It calls us forth. God's like, all right, these are the next words I'm giving you. This is the next message. Think your light's about to go out because the oil's getting low. Oh no, there's been other prophets that God has brought that have come and spoken words that continue into the next season for that light to never die. Because we know this community and the community and the whole world needs the light of the church. It needs the light of God. It needs the light of Christ. We cannot let that light die. So prophets, we, we need you. We need you to build up and continue supply of that fresh oil. We need you to go away. We need you to be go, go to solitude or be called away, to be set apart, to spend time with the Lord so that you can come and speak forth the words and the message that God has given you through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we can have fresh oil and a brighter light and know where our church is going. Pretty powerful thing, prophets. It's a pretty heavy thing, right? But the cool thing about God is he gives us perfect gifts that are perfect to us because he knows us better than anyone else. He knows that that gifting was for you for this time for such a time as this, for this place, for this culture, for this time, whatever it is, whatever, whoever needs to hear it. And so that's what we're gonna close with and move into a time of reflection to just ask yourself again, has God given me words that I need to be sharing? Am I holding back? Am I being disobedient? It's a scary, it can be a scary thing to 
to think you have this heavy weighted message to share. But God, he gives us power. He may even bring someone. Moses was petrified. When God called Moses, he was like, God, I am not an eloquent speaker. I cannot speak and deliver this message. And God was like, no, you can. You can. But Moses still was like, nope, 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 nope. Can't do that. Not going to deliver that. God said, all right. They still need to hear this message. And so he brought him Aaron to be his spokesman. So God will do whatever it takes to deliver the message that is with inside you if you feel like this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So as we move into a time of communion and reflection, I just ask that you just sit with the Lord and ask him if that is a gifting that he's given you to make clear the words that he's given you.